0: It's deeper than I can swim around in. Amen. See, y'all don't understand. Uh, I, I shouldn't be here. Uh, y'all brought him up, uh, Buster. He'd come over here and spend a week, and he'd come home different and uh, he'd come home from this and we'd cut firewood we'd cut firewood for the year for him and then for my mother and he always had a gcr hat on and I was like where in the world did he get that what is that and uh, then the lord saved me <laughs> and uh, called me to preach and what, what a great god what a saint. how deep the father's love <laughs> You can turn to 1 Corinthians 7, I don't know that we'll get there, but uh, last year uh, we had the invitation to come back, and this is what the Lord said last year, and uh, I don't get to preach what I want to anymore, I hope you understand that, um, uh, we're on assignment from the Lord. If it's up to me five years ago, I'd have probably tried to change three or four times after the atmosphere this morning. But you don't have to worry about me jumping on your uh, pulpit. I'd never get up there. If I did, it'd take somebody to help me get down. <laughs> and uh, Buster, he preached on the Titanic side. So Y'all can be on the ships all you want. I'll pray for you and we'll support you. But, <laughs> amen. Amen. Big boats go down. I was telling Brother Austin, I appreciate him riding over with me. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, This medium of live stream and stuff, it's just so good. I was watching Buster preach this morning before the sun ever come up on the uh, attitude of gratitude. I I told Brother Austin, I said, Brother Austin, I said, he preached that a lot, but you never preach the same message twice because it's just always different. And I said, I could always tell by looking in his eyes if he was just preaching because he was called on to preach and, or if he was in that gear. And he was in that gear. I don't know where it was, but uh, well, I, I sure don't deserve to be here. And uh, I didn't have Bible college, and, uh, but he was, Buster was my Elijah. And I watched him uh, help people. And um, he said, Jimbo, he said, if you'll go in. And he said, if you'll love on their preacher, he said, people will love you. And uh, he said, if you'll uh, try to help people, he said, God will always give you a place to preach. And so, uh, actually, it was back in probably 2003 or 2004, um, Buster had a little box, like a shoe box. And there were napkins in it. And he would write sermon notes, just thoughts, you know, at a restaurant or something. And he would write it down. And you remember Brother Blue and those men years ago would preach acrostics, Calvary, Grace, and he had this, Brother Rudy, he had P-O-W, Preachers Overlooked Wives, and he had a few scriptures wrote down, and it was in probably three, 2003 or four that I came across this. I studied it for a couple of years, and the Lord's assigned it for this morning, and um Again, I was talking to Brother Austin. This goes far beyond this good number of people here this morning. It goes so far. I was preaching on our little radio station up there in Burnsville. We're on uh, live uh, Facebook Live. I was preaching in India to a church in India. and That has to be on the other side of Madison County somewhere. And uh, One of the men said, it's on the other side of Egypt. I said, well, I've been to Boaz, Alabama. I don't know where Egypt is. God brought me out of Egypt, amen. But if you'd like to stand with me, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 and then we're going to finish in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and try to try to be obedient to the Lord. This is what he has signed and he always does right. But Paul said this to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 8. He said, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I if they abide even as I. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I believe that Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin court. I know he testified to it several times in the scripture. Uh, It was called the Supreme Jewish Court of Justice. In Acts 22, in the first five verses, Paul testified of belonging. In Acts 23, he said that he was a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. In Acts 26, he said that he gave his voice or his vote uh, against those that judgment was being passed on. In Acts chapter number 9, Paul was on a mission to the high priest. And uh, the Sanhedrin always had priests or presidents, if you will. In Luke 3, there was Annas and Caiaphas. In Acts 23, 2, there was Ananias. The best I could study, the Sanhedrin was made up of 70 members and it was thought to be for life. And I really believe that's why Paul was hated so much is that when he got saved, there was such a drastic change in his life that the Sanhedrin, I really believe that they wanted to put him to death. They labored. The Sanhedrin, they labored extensively to live and to legislate the law. They were the governing power over the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They attended Jesus' trial. They attended Stephen's stoning. They had the highest moral and family values. It was demanded of them. And as I was studying this in 2004 and five, I came across this statement that Paul made right here. He said in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse number 8, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Down at Faith Baptist Camp years ago, there was a man by the name of Brother Wayne Henderson and he was a Greek student, I don't know how to even spell a lot of the things, but he put me onto a man by the name of Adam Clark. And he said, Brother Jimbo, he said, if you don't understand some of those things, he said, Adam Clark, he, he's good at giving simple definitions that you can understand. And I turned and I found uh, what Adam Clark said about it. He said the Greek phrase, and I can't say it, who's kego, that Paul himself may have been a widower. And I don't want to get caught up in an introduction and lose you there, but there is a great possibility. That the Apostle Paul may have been married. Several of the ancients, ancient writers, they rank Paul above the married prophets. Marriage was a qualification for the Sanhedrin. Nelson's Bible Dictionary also suggests that Paul was a member before his conversion. If, let's just say, if Paul was married, according to what he's writing here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, what could have happened to her if he was married? Well, in verse number 8, he speaks as a widower. There's a possibility that she died. That's what I personally believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, or 7, verse 15, he said, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. There could be on the other, high, the other side, there could be a possibility that she was never converted. She was not a believer. My personal belief, like I said, is that she passed away. But to balance the text, what if, as Paul said, she was an unbeliever? Well, I thought about what happened to Paul when he got saved there was a tremendous change in Paul's life. He went from the prestigious and the position of the Sanhedrin uh, to to being one of the most hated men carrying the message of the gospel uh, to you and I uh, that uh, are are being the pagans, if you will, the Gentile world. All of that power, all of that prominence is gone now. Possessions and uh, provisions and everything that went along, along with that lifestyle, it would now be gone. See, Paul himself said Therefore if any man be in Christ He is a new creature Old things are passed away And behold all things are become new There was a tremendous change In Paul's life I'm glad there's a change when you get saved I could talk for the rest of the day About the change that God made in my I don't ever want to get over Where he found me I don't like reminiscing on everything that I was And You know when you listen to Paul He would talk about things that he did Injurious and blamer uh, you know, uh, bringing about persecution and things like that. But then he would always put that conjunction in, but God, uh, I, I'm glad he doesn't leave us where he finds us. Uh, there was a tremendous change. Then there were the travel to all the churches. After Paul's conversion, he was chosen by God to the to the churches. In Acts 22, 14 and 15, there was a church at Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Rome, Galatia, Colossae, even the church that was at Philemon's house, Paul was always on the road, always traveling. And I don't know if that may have had some impact uh, if she was an unbeliever. Then you think about the torment and the torture uh, that Paul had to undergo. And it could have been because she had never been converted that she could not understand why Paul went through everything that he went through. I never will forget, but it had been several years ago, we were preaching in an outdoor Arbor meeting in Noonan, Georgia, and got done and tried to give an invitation And there was a guy, a man, grown man came down on this side And it was in the summer And he had on a short sleeve shirt and a tie And his arms were bigger than my thighs And he buried up in the altar He began to pray and weep And I just felt like I ought to go down on my way back to my pew And just offer prayer with him And he turned around at me and he said Preacher, he said the thing that I've always greatly feared He said my wife told me that she didn't want to be a pastor's wife anymore That she couldn't take the pressure and he said I feel like Job you remember Job in Job chapter 3 Job said the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me and that that old boy he was sitting there weeping and crying that may have been what happened if she did uh, depart and I really believe if he was married the way that he speaks I believe that she passed away and Paul remained faithful and he never remarried. Notice in 2 Corinthians that's where we're going to finish in chapter 11. I want to give you several different possibilities out of Paul's life, things that he had to endure, and if he was married, just like every preacher, ever pastor, ever evangelist, ever missionary, God calls the man, enables the man, commissions the man, but that wife doesn't have a calling in the ministry, she's got a calling to uh, follow the man that God has give her, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, I've seen it, I've seen it in my mother's life, I've seen it in my sister-in-law's life, got to see a little bit of it in our own life and boy, he had that right years ago when he wrote down P.O.W. I tell you somebody that does not get a lot of accolades and that is the man of God's wife uh, uh, that stands behind. Uh, A lot of times stays behind. I never will forget old brother Sammy. He'd say when we get to the judgment seat, he said I'm going to be way back there. He said Jimmy Lou, she's going to be way out front. Uh, All them prayers and all of the things that uh, that she endured. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and let's just walk through what Paul uh, had to live and if he was married uh, uh, this is what his wife would have uh, to endure. There's at least seven causes in this text. Notice in verse 24 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 of the Jews five times received uh, 40 stripes saved one. Uh, uh, Talking about the stripes that was laid on her man of God uh, now, I know they ain't nobody whipping nobody in 2024, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of preacher's wives, evangelist's wives, missionaries' wives, uh, they have to endure a lot that, that their man of God has to endure. If I'm reading this right, there's no account of this ever happening in Scripture. I have not, Brother Rudy, I've not found the account where this did happen, uh, but there may have been a reason why Paul never wrote about it, uh, because he probably remembered what it, it did to that other part of him it was perpetual he said He said of the Jews five times received I forty stripes one time would be bad two times would be worse but five times forty lashes saved one 195 stripes on her man of God's back I can see Epaphroditus bringing Paul in they've about beat him to death they've lashed his back I can see Epaphroditus helping him in the door I can see him looking at Miss Paul and say they've beat him again. And I can watch that wife. I can watch that that help me as she's feeling what that man of God is feeling. Don't get lost in an introduction. Remember, look at where we're living today. And a lot of preachers' wives, behind the scenes, enduring things. I'm glad there's help for every situation that we'll ever encounter in life. It was perpetual. Over and over and over again, Uh, he said of the Jews. That's why I believe this was the Sanhedrin. Uh, You don't ever cross the Sanhedrin uh, without being marked uh, and being threatened. I was out fishing last year. Don't get to go a whole lot. Jesus made us fishers and men, not golfers, nothing like that. Ain't found golf balls in there. Find them in the lake. I was out fishing. Don't get to fish a whole lot. My phone was ringing. I looked down at my phone I saw that name. I thought, well, do I want to fish or do I want to take this call and miss the rest of the early morning bite? So I took that call and this pastor, he was calling. Brother Tommy, here's what he was saying. He was weeping. He said, preacher, he said, I need some advice. See, that's what's happened. We've turned around. I've turned around and got older. I used to, all my ones that I caught, they're all gone. Brother it has gone, Matt, they're all gone. Now I've got younger preachers calling me. And he said, Preacher, what do I do? I said, what's wrong? He said, we went on vacation last year. He said, I've got a grown son. He's grown in his 20s. And he said, we had a family picture. To, you know how everybody does it at the beach, wherever it is you go? I don't know how you have. You got to have one of them if you go to sail these ships. But, but he said, we took that family picture there at the end. And he said, my oldest son said he had on shorts down to his knees. I said, well, that's your family. And he said, the brethren are crucifying me over my son being in that picture. And I called, I almost called his name right then. I I called his name and I said, preacher, that crowd crucifying you, they were never your friends. Buster had another message on can't meet and cannibals. They buy and devour one another. You better hope I don't get in that box. I said, preacher, I said, that crowd's not concerned about you. They don't care about that. And that son, was he was borderline prodigal. They were having a lot of problems and they got him to go and the whole family was together. That's what, you ever cross the Sanhedrin, Uh, they've got this thing of rule, they want you to kiss their ring. Uh, I'm glad it's, I've never sensed that around here. Uh, There's camaraderie. Uh, There's praying one for another. Uh, Doesn't matter if it's a young family singing or the aged family singing, Uh, the youngest preacher preaching or the eldest. Uh, But I'm gonna tell you when Paul, was converted and changed. I really believe the ones that was trying uh, to kill him, take him out, lay these lashes upon him, I really believe. He said it was the Jews. I believe it was the Sanhedrin. Notice what he said in verse 24, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. See, now it's become personal. I really believe she's feeling it now. Because about five years later in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, I really believe, reminiscing on these beatings. He said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. I really, she wasn't beating she wasn't striped but it was doing things in her mind I'm getting away from my outline but when I first started preaching I'd go into a lot of churches Brother Youngblood and the preacher's wife wouldn't be there and I'd say well they backslide they don't love God and they ain't. but then after I got a little bit older and I watched the things that they had to go through and a lot of times they'd come right in at church time and kind of sit down and fill their part and they'd try to do everything they were supposed to do they were not out in the limelight out in front you say preacher what do you think the cause of that if you ever put your heart into something uh, and you get your heart broke uh, it's hard to ever put it right back in uh, they're not bionic they don't have that calling uh, they're our wives they're to follow us uh, we better be knowing where we're supposed to go and what we do uh, it's become personal now you say well preacher you're complaining about the calling no I'm not but God help God help the preacher's It's affecting her as they're beating him physically. It's affecting her mentally and emotionally and spiritually. The majority of the preacher's wives I know are not out front. They're not that outgoing. And You know the thing I'm seeing too, I'm 60 years old now, I'm seeing they're trying to make young preacher's wives older preacher's wives. And they're trying to make older preacher's wives younger preacher's wives. I mean, you got this young pastor's wife coming in. She got four kids with her, tried to get them ready. Man of God came on and studied, and he's prayed up and ready. She's drug in bottles and diapers and everything else. Then they wanted to shake everybody's hand, be over every committee. Uh, God help. Uh, We don't want to make older preachers into younger, and we sure don't want to make younger preachers uh, into older. Uh, God help. God help the preacher's wife. Verse 25. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. You know, there in Acts 14, there were certain of the Jews. There were certain and they came against Paul and they were going to stone the man of God. Always certain. We don't hear their names. That don't ever happen down here in this flatland, does it? Preacher, I just want you to know, certain they're not really happy. Or what it is is they, they, they don't tell me, they go tell my wife. And that makes it double worse. I try to be compassionate and kind, but they go tell Miss Amanda, my wife. And you better not ask her anything you don't want an answer to. She grew up in Dr. Allen's home with Sister J. G- you better not ask her something you don't want a straight Bible answer from. But there's, there is, there's that certain and they come and, and they're stoning Paul, they're beating Paul. What did Paul do that was wrong? He was awakening the depraved Gentiles, preaching the gospel. He was answering the call that God put on his life. And here in Acts 14 or Acts 16, he's left alone to die. Have you ever watched a preacher's wife stand beside her, man of God, when he has to stand alone? When he has to stand alone. See, we got these broad shoulders. I've learned that in the mountain culture since I've lived here. We ain't scared of nothing. We ain't scared of nothing. We're about to impose in half. But our wives know us. And there she is standing when you got to stand alone. Thank God for the preacher's word. In verse 25, he's shipwrecked in the deep. Sovereign, you all know this sovereign storms, satanic storms, but sinful storms. Acts 27, there was that centurion that stood up against Paul. I hope none of y'all ever have to face where somebody stands up against the man of God. He said, We're not supposed to sail. It's not a good time to sail. Paul told him at the end, He said, I tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Hurt. I, just, I just lump all that together as church problems that the man of God's wife has to hear, let alone his children. Verse 26 has always got my heart in journeyings often. I don't have the answers to all this before I start verse 26. I don't have the answers to all of it. Paul was staying departed, always gone. If he was married and he's at Ephesus, Philippi, Colossus, he was always gone. I watched my daddy preach 25, 30 meetings a, a, a year and pastor a church. Buster preached 50 there in the limelight, cut wood, and had Christmas two weeks off. You know what I watched? I watched a lot of, a lot of weeks he drove out. I remember there at the end he come in and Beck come out of the back, back room and he said, Jimbo, he said a woman walked out. He said, I remember going in as a little girl and I and it's not complaining about the calling. God calls me and equips men, but I'm just trying to help us to understand how to undergird the man of God and his home and his family and his ministry and especially the wife. The wife behind the man of God in journeyings often. I wonder how many families have suffered. It was Paul, I mean, and Brother Barton mentioned it, and the older I get, the more I think about it, it was a security. It, you don't think about that when you're younger. Wanting a house, wanting to have a place to drive a nail in that you own. You know, wanting to have, a, not retiring from the, y'all know what I'm talking about. But Paul was a faithful servant. Paul didn't have phones back then, thank God. How many times has your pastor been at a ball game? been at a a dinner the phone ring your wife will look at you like just a few weeks ago my oldest son thank you all so much here at the church for loving on Zeke and Brinkley and Briar thank you all so much brother Rudy I hated to have to leave last night but Briar called and said papi I want you home I said I'm gone I made it back to Burnsville in almost 50 minutes where there's no law, there's no transgression. <laughs> just, a few, just a few weeks ago, Zeke called and he said, let's go fishing. He said, dad, he said, let's hook up the boat, let's go fish. I said, I, I'm going out to preach revival tonight. All he texted back was, never mind. I, can't, I told you I couldn't answer that when I started all that. I've watched them leave. I've watched my daddy leave. My daddy saw me play two times. I had a scholarship to play for Tennessee Temple when they had a baseball team back in 112 years ago and my daddy saw me play two times. Other kids, their moms and dads was there. Paul was journeying. And I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to get us to understand. It's more than three times a week. It's more than eating chicken. It's a ministry. It's not a game. And we want to try to fix everybody else's life. Why the man of God's wife a lot of times gets pushed off. Always brought out like a show horse. Has to do this and this and this. And never realize where they're living. A lot of things we could say right there. Perils. I get tongue-tied saying that. In 26, in journeyings often, and then perils. I think there's eight times perils, dangers are mentioned. They're all plural. They're all continual. Seemingly everywhere Paul turned. Perils of waters. That's sudden calamity. Perils of robbers. That's those that stowed. His own countrymen. There again, I believe that's the Sanhedrin. The heathen. That's sinners without Christ. Perils of the city. Perils of the wilderness. Perils of the sea. There it is. And perils among false brethren. Those that that you took sweet counsel with and your families grew up together with and their wives kind of entrusted In one another, and then they turn, they turn, and it hurts. See, church member, you're not the only one that gets hurt. Thank God for the pastor's wife. Look in 27, you're talking about a verse. I would not take verse 27 to your doctor if you're suffering from, uh, uh, you know, mental challenges. Paul said this, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Weariness, 2873 Strong's Concordance, it means you've been cut. It's emotional. Painfulness, it's sadness, that's physical. Watchings often, it means without sleep, that brings stress. You know, one thing you'd go to your doctor and you see, one of the first things they'll say, How are you sleeping? I'm telling you, don't tell him all this stuff if you don't want to walk out a zombie. I ain't sleeping good, Doc. Why? Well, I got this fan, I got this fan. Paul, weariness, painfulness, watchings, hunger, and thirst. That's mental, that's financial. Fastings often, that's a spiritual warfare that very few know about. Cold and nakedness, destitute, alone. I was preaching a few years ago again down in Georgia. A man was preaching the morning services. He, he, a missionary from out west. And he was preaching and he was going through a situation with his son and it was taking a toll on him and his wife. He was, he was just being honest with his wife. Sister Faith sings that song. He was being honest. He was telling his wife how he felt. You know what she said, Brother Barton? She said, you need to go talk to someone. You know what he said? Who can you go talk to? You've been the burden bearer. He said, "Who can I go talk to?" Yeah. Right. Well, you know, then go tell G. Well, wait till they tell you that next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah. that's right. When you're the burden bearer, it's hard to. One thing you've probably opened up before, and then it got on social media or became the next format at the next camp meeting. Uh, but but what could Paul do? Where could he go? A few weeks ago, I had these headaches going on, and they kept on and they kept on. And they said, "You got to go. You got to go to the chiropractor." I knew what they were. They were stressed, but it was already done, and it, but it was still tight. And I went in there and she popped and cracked. Who would ever go pay money to have somebody snap your neck and it feels like they broke it? Every time she does that, I'm like, is it gonna move? Is it gonna move? And she said, preacher, what's going on? I just started to tell her. She said, you need to find somebody to talk to. I said, who can you talk to when you're the bird? I did say I said, it has developed a prayer life that I've never had before. That was probably a super spiritual answer. I didn't make it about Buster. Y'all brought him up. Here's what he said. He said, if you die with five real friends, you've done well. You say, I got 4,900 and something on faith. Call them and say, hey, the world's falling apart. My son, my daughter, the ministry, cancer, diseases. Five real friends. See, the, a friend is someone that knows all about you. And they still love you. Watch this, I'm almost done. Verse 28, and I, I, I can't explain all this. I'm just telling you what I've read. When he said beside those things that are without, that's everything that he's just said. Beside all that. Beside everything that I've just mentioned. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily. The care of all the churches. Thessalonica, Colossae. Albert Barnes said this. He said it's a great force in the original language here. The phrase speaks of that which rushes upon me. And it comes upon him daily. There's another Greek word there that I can't pronounce. It's a picture of a crowd, a mob. It's pressing, it's closing in. Albert Barnes later said, this is one of Paul's most energetic expressions and it denotes the incessant anxiety of mind. We may not understand a lot of what Barnes said, but we do understand that one word. Anxiety of mind which he was subject to. Beside those things which are, that are without the care. See, if you ever find anybody that really cares. See, there's hirelings, there's heretics, there's all them other things. But if you ever find someone that really cares. I was out walking in the gravels. One morning, I was walking in the gravels. I'd got some text messages. And it wasn't good at all. And I knew a lot of things you were carrying. But I had no one else to call. And I said, Brother Barton, would you talk to my son and his wife? And I, I, thought, I thought for a long time, I ought not do that because he's got enough. But when I caught, he said, give me their number. Within two days, they were driving over here and meeting at Longhorns. I passed it yesterday. See, if you find somebody that really cares. See, what young people don't get caught up in this thing of trying to climb a ladder. I'm going to find me a ladder and I'm on a ladder over here and ladder. You better find you somebody that really cares. Uh, somebody will be there at the beginning and somebody will be there at the middle and someone that will be there at the end. Paul was the one that God used to create and try, uh, start all of these churches and here's what Paul said. He said, beside those things which are without the care of all the churches. See, some of the churches, I and mean, then ain't nothing changed, they were prejudiced towards Gentiles. Some had preferences without godliness. Some were persecuting God's men. Some had problems. They were great issues of that day that Paul had to deal with. And it was all laid on Paul. And if Paul was married, it was laid on. Did she part? Did she depart or did she die? You think about you think about the man of God's house and the scrutiny that the man of God's house has to live under. It's amazing it only applies to the man of God, Brother Ellich. I remember my daughter, Esther. Esther's gone. Not she's dead, but she's gone. She's married. She's in Georgia. She goes to a liberal church down there. I wish you'd pray for her. Pastor is Brother Randy Sutherland. And if she can ever get those things straight, but she'll... But she she's gone. I just had her for a fruit. 18 years. She's gone, and she she was struggling about how to dress. I, I could I laid down the law when she was little. She didn't have a choice. But she started getting older. And I said, Lord, you're gonna have to do it. I can make her. But I said, Lord, you're gonna have to do it. Oh, brother Todd McKeon, he was preaching, and it's just how the Lord does it. I don't even know what he was preaching, but God set in in that service. And she said, "Daddy, I see it." She said, "I know how I'm supposed to dress." She was in public middle school at that time. She went in. Here's what they said, brother young blood. They said the preacher's daughter is finally dressing like a preacher's daughter. And she's strong like her mama. She's bulldog Georgia. But she'll never forget. You think about the scrutiny. The microscope. Loading the ministry with a lot of stipulations that are extra biblical. Sanhedrin. Do you, and I know there's a lot, and I know there's a lot more. This goes further than this. But do you even know your preacher and his wife? Do you know? Well, I know their birthday. I know their color. No, do you know them? Do you know them? I was preaching in a meeting last year and a man come up to me, sat down on the front row and he told me, he said, Preacher, he said, I heard this message. I was going to throw it away. I was going to throw it away, not ever do it again. He said, I heard that online from somewhere you preached it years ago. He said, Preacher, we hadn't even give our pastor a raise in 10 years. And you know who it is. 10 years. It's not that they were bad people. They just didn't think, everybody's got their own lives. He was living in the church parsonage. His children, two of his preachers out of his church had their own church and had their own homes. He's living in the parsonage. Thank God for the provision of a parsonage. But that that deacon come up and he said, you know, when deacons come up, you don't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to be bad. But he said, I heard that. He said, we hadn't done nothing for our preacher. Long story short, they sold the parsonage. He was going to build him a house. And gave him the money from the parsonage to pay for the house. And and you know what? I guess it's just look. God is blessing that church now. Just so happens. Do you know him? My daddy, he died seventy six. Church ran two fifty, three hundred. Daddy had $6,000 in a suit coat pocket. He had no retirement, had no allowances. And they loved my daddy. When my daddy died, Brother Rudy, there was men went up there at Highland Memorial Cemetery and they sat there and wept. Gene Burnett, David Burnett. I mean, old sinners got, and they wept. uh, They wept. But nobody ever, good people. I've been around Baptists all my life. 99% of them are good people. But they've just never been told. Paul's wife. If you got a pastor and his wife that really care, that really appreciate, you can hold them up. I thank God for the preacher's wife. My Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to stand. God, we've tried to fulfill the assignment that you've gave. Lord, I thank you. Lord, there's living proof on these grounds What obedience to scripture Lord what the half hasn't been told Of what can continue and carry on And Lord I pray for every preacher's wife Missionary's wife Evangelist's wife And children Lord wherever they are Whether they're on these grounds Or Lord whether they're somewhere else And Lord I pray that you'd encourage them I pray that you'd strengthen them Lord I pray that you'd help them to carry on Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be able to stand. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus care when my